everyone. Welcome back to A Restless Soul. I have a really wonderful episode for everyone today. You guys are going to love it. We have Gay Lynn Griegas back on the podcast. She was actually a guest a few episodes back. I'll link it in the show notes, but that was an episode that got such great feedback. She recently wrote a book called Psychedelics, Dreams and Rituals, and we talked all about that as well as using psychedelics as a form of therapy, which I personally have had a great experience with and find really fascinating. But I'm not just with Galen today. So we have her incredible client, Jake, as well. And Jake is super interesting. So he actually is turning 20 years old today. So he's a younger soul on this journey with us. And I'm just really impressed by the fact that He's so young and wanting to take more responsibility for his life and to do this inner self-discovery so early on. I think it's truly fascinating. And they use ketamine together as a ritual. So like a rite of passage to mark his transition from childhood into adulthood. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So how about both of you introduce yourselves? All right. Thank you, Liz. It's so exciting to be back with you on the podcast. And I have had rave reviews from the podcast we did before. Thank you so much. And the individuation process and becoming an adult in our culture and our society today is very, very challenging. And particularly with the dynamics in the world today. So I was fortunate enough to... um And I'll let Jake kind of tell the story of how we actually got together. But I was actually fortunate enough to help Jake in this individuation process, in this adulting process. And through that, you know, kind of be able to look at and explore a little bit about who I am, kind of what's my motivation, where am I stuck in my life, this whole uh, social anxiety thing that comes up for all teenagers. And I was able to work with Jake at 19, and now today he's 20 years old. So this kind of walking, taking these steps progressively through this process of deepening self-exploration, going inside therapeutically using ritual ceremony and the therapeutic process with the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy to do this inner exploration and kind of coming out through that process. And we'll talk a little bit about what was discovered as a result of that. And Jake, introduce yourself to everyone. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. I'm definitely really excited to be on here. My name is Jake. I am currently a sophomore in college, turning 20 years old today. And yeah, I'm just really excited. This is my first time being on podcast. So really excited to honestly share with more people the great experience I had doing this sort of ketamine therapy. And everyone who has probably done something will agree, but it's truly hard to explain the experience and how great it was without doing it. But it was phenomenal. Yeah, I have this similar experience after mine. Like It's so amazing that you can't capture it in words, but you always have that memory in your brain of what that was and you're just never the same. But what I wanted to talk about, because I think, you know, between 18 to 25, like that's such a pivotal time in someone's life. And what a great time to do something like this, because that's when a lot of important decisions are coming up that can alter the course of our life. And I think most people in that age group just aren't really equipped with the right tools to make such large decisions with confidence and for those decisions to be coming from the right place. So I love that you did this 
now versus waiting years later to like figure out who you really are and what you really want in this life. Can you talk about how this idea came about for you to do this? Yeah. So I have sort of probably different perspective and different reason for doing it than I would say most average 19, 18 to 20 year old kids or adults legally would probably have in that you said that this is sort of a typical experience for those of an older audience. And I actually became familiar with this sort of thing via my parents, which is very shocking. And my parents are definitely not like, they're not like, you know, super psychedelic individuals or anything like that. But it is something my mom had tried when I was a senior in high school. And then I was fortunate enough. What really sort of kicked it off was watching my dad actually do it. And I had my freshman year of college started to build a deeper connection with my parents in general, as you do when you go away from, but really started to focus on my relationship with my dad. Not that it was a bad one, but that just tended to be where I sort of leaned into sort of, you know, becoming my own man, looking up to my father, that kind of thing. And he really took an interest in the therapy from my mom and had his own experience and was willing to share his experience with myself and my two brothers. And after sort of going through what I was had been going through and learning from him, I kind of decided, hey, this is something I might be interested in. And he was fortunate enough to not only support me in that, but also sponsor it. And so he was really, really encouraging and guiding me through the book, reread parts of the book with me, and then sort of walked along the therapy process before doing the experience. It was it was really cool. Oh my God, that is so amazing. How does that make you feel, Galen, as a therapist? Because I'm sure you hear a lot of people's stories where they don't have parents that are having these types of conversations or encouraging like this. It's so heartwarming and it's so it just gives me such hope and encouragement because sometimes in our lives, the healing that we need is generational healing, right? So if we're working with multiple generations, it gives us the opportunity to heal generational wounds, bring those families closer together. And whatever it is that isn't actually working doesn't get passed on another generation. I mean, how hopeful is that? So there is this, you know, internal healing, you know, from generation to generation, but then also a bond that can be built at deeper levels with the family that exists in the moment today. And then carrying that rooted and groundedness into future generations, which is, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you talk about generational healing. And that was one of, I remember last semester, it was prior to 2024, when I did the experience, that was one of the big things that sort of promoted me or really encouraged me or made me want to do this experience was was noticing generational patterns between my parents and my brothers and I growing up. And I kind of had this realization where I was watching my dad heal and my mother heal in their own way and healing in their relationship. And I saw it as an opportunity to kind of get a jump start but also allow myself to have a better understanding of certain things or patterns I was recognizing myself that I I didn't really fully understand. And I was starting to understand via my connection growing with my parents, but it allowed me to sort of become more in sync, I would say, and recognize those overall patterns and 
and complexities within them and sort of which patterns I did like, which patterns I didn't like, the parts within those separate categories that I didn't and didn't enjoy. You know, there's there's so many layers to that generational patterns and family dynamics. And something I've recently learned about is emotional habits is a thing, which I was nothing I didn't even research before doing the experience, but something I've learned about recently in the past month, which has even added that additional layer of understanding to what the ketamine experience brought me, but just really understanding those emotional patterns that were flung through my parents and their parents and between my brothers and everything like that. That's so amazing. And what was it about your dad's journey that inspired you to want to do this yourself? I think it was recognizing his willingness to lean into something that was so, so unknown which is something I've always been really willing to do. Actually, prior to my sophomore year of college, I took a whole year living abroad via the, the school that I was in, spent the summer before him moving away from my friends and just working at this summer camp that I had grown up going to. So I've never been afraid of leaning into new circumstances or challenges. But watching my dad do it was something that really inspired me because I hadn't recognized that in him before. And I think some more simple components were just the the genuine conversations that came out of his experience and just the conversations we had and just whether parts of them were deep, whether some were, there was just this level of sincerity that was there that really, really struck me. And obviously him sharing his whole visual component was, of course, intriguing to me. And I was like, wow, this is something that seems really, really cool. And I just recognized the level of sort of healing and understanding in his tone of voice. That was something I was craving for at the time. And so I thought it would be a great way to add exploration, trying a new thing and just potentially find finding that level of healing and understanding as well. Wow. I'm seriously blown away. <laughs> no. And just to add to that, this was not a family who had a lot of experience in the psychedelic or the ketamine space. There was some experience, but it wasn't like normalized. It was more of a special opportunity to utilize this as a way for internal growth and development, internal emotional intelligence, you know, reintegrating parts of the self that perhaps were somewhat kind of disenfranchised or, or split off in some ways. How do we work in the internal realms, not the external, but how do we work in the internal realms to heal any kind of fragmentation that happens inside of us? And through that healing of that fragmentation, walk forward as a more whole person, you know, mind, body, spirit person that's able to show up in the world. And seeing his dad do that in that way kind of inspired Jake in that same way to say, oh, I get it. I see what this is all about. I see how this works. And so it, it was inspiring to have that person who I, you know, is my father to look up to and say, if dad can do this and lean into a unique experience and explore his inner world, that's something I would be interested in doing as well. And I think that's also a really good point that I didn't even think of is I think what really pushed me to do it was the severity of the internal understanding or lack thereof of understanding that I was suddenly faced with as I was kind of deciding to make this decision. I think also I have a unique sort of perception on this. And we talk about how ketamine, the drug itself, 
as opposed to other psychedelics, instead of allowing a better understanding and appreciation of your outside view, it does that internally for an individual. And I was at a state or point in my life where my individuality was something I was greatly, greatly questioning. And at some point, didn't even feel aware of that I had. And that was mainly because, so I've grown up for context, I have an identical twin brother. And so as long as I grew up until I graduated high school, it was the twins. It was never Jake or Drew. Rarely it was. And I loved that. Like it was okay. Like I love my twin brother to death. Right. But as I progressed further in high school and became older and then moved away to summer camp, working with summer camp and made my very first own friend as an 18 year old graduating high school was a tw- like my very own like best friend that didn't know my twin brother. I started to realize how much of my own individual progress or own individual character that I was felt like I needed yet and also craved to understand. Cause I feel like as a twin raised in a household where my parents were always pushing like mature conversation, loving others, I got very good at communicating and loving others, but felt that I hadn't really given myself the opportunity or necessarily had the opportunity to love and explore myself. And so I went abroad for a year, had this amazing journey with new friends, visiting countries, traveling, you know, not having any sleep and like all these amazing things, which for any other person, and in itself is a rite of passage. But I found myself during that time, and it was actually learning a different language that really brought it out to me. It was when I was sharing who I was, speaking Spanish to other people and making these new friends abroad, I started to realize that everything I had done or everything I had to share was shared with someone else already. And I was like, wow, who am I though? Like I've done all this stuff, but who am I? And then I came back to here in the States for university my sophomore year. And started diving into that and getting involved with, you know, campus activities and club involvement and everything. But still, everything felt like I was tied to something else, but not tied to myself. And so when I started to hear my dad go along this journey of sort of discovering those same things and started to recognize maybe generational patterns in myself that I wasn't proud of. That's what I felt as an individual were these patterns that I wasn't proud of or that I was confused over. And so I started seeking a way to better understand myself while also taking the time to do personal hobbies and everything like that. Yeah, I think I'm sure being a twin adds a whole nother layer. And I think a lot of people really identify themselves with their group of friends or with their family. And there's comfort in doing that. But then when we don't have enough space with just us by ourselves, we don't really know who we are. and traveling is a great way to bring that to light and to start filling in those gaps. So I'm super fascinated how you guys came to the idea to do this as a rite of passage and how you both approached that together. Well, I want to say that Jake did a tremendous amount of work in advance. He worked through my book and he worked through the guidebook portion of it, which is a fill in the blank, you know, kind of guide, step by step, asking the existential questions, who I was, who I am, who would I like to be, and finding out about the parts of the self. He worked with his dreams so that even before we entered into the ketamine session, 
we had already worked in the realm of non-ordinary state of consciousness through the dream realm. And when we say we want to do this inner healing work, all of a sudden that part of us goes, oh, he's open, he's receptive, he's ready. (laughs) And it's like opening a door to the inner self. And so the dream started to come really vividly and Jake was just so good at capturing them in detail. So we started working with his, gotten through the guidebook with his dream realm and did preliminary sessions so that the preparation, the foundation for the work, the trust, the visiting his inner world even before we got into the medicine space was already established. Love to hear from your perspective, Jake. Yeah, so we did a lot of work beforehand, like we said, and and a lot of it was just sort of like answering questions about yourself that maybe I didn't or didn't know. So working through the, the workbook really allowed me to do that. There was a lot of questions like, who do you see yourself now? Who do you see yourself? Who do you want to be? What are qualities that you value in yourself? What are qualities you hope to value in yourself? All the sort of like questions of past, present, future, in depth, those categories. But there was also a lot of just analyzing different parts of yourself in different moments. And then, of course, the dream, the dream as well. And that was something that was really interesting to learn. And I honestly felt a level of clarity and resolve and just sort of growth, even in just mapping out the dreams, which I had been doing actually since I was a senior in high school. I had had this mentor of mine, a youth leader from church, and we're great friends. And he had mentioned, oh, yeah, like I start writing down my dreams and sometimes they're really clear. And I was like, oh, I want to try doing that. And so one night I wrote down in a dream journal like the fragment of a dream I remembered from senior year of high school. And I noticed that the more I did that, the more my dreams would snowball into these like, I could remember everything like vividly. And it got to the point where I actually had to stop because I would spend so much time capturing the detail that I would be late to school. And so I put that on pause and then started doing that more and practicing mindfulness. And it was through the dreams that I really began to sort of understand or better understand my need for a deeper understanding. That sounds very abstract, but we had there was one dream in particular where. I was led through all these ornate scenes, but throughout them, I recognized that each scene change was driven by anxiety, a feeling that I was feeling overwhelmingly. But it was also during that dream that I was led by this old man figure. I couldn't tell you who it is, which is an older man. And I was led to this place where I was supposed to gather deeper understanding. And that came in the form of a haircut in the dream. But... I started to recognize in my dreams just the subconscious awareness of a need for exp- exploration and how much it was driving my dream patterns and so and then driving my just everyday thinking and so that was then the academy experience became something I was very very open to. Wow. Galen when it came to you that there was this 19-year-old that wanted to do a ketamine journey with you. Did that bring up any nerves in you or like how how did that feel for you? I was delighted that there was an awareness of how important this passage is. And it, it is a way of therapeutically addressing some of the underlying anxiety and angst of adulting because it's not easy to become an adult in our culture, in our world. 
than and not easy to individuate when you're a twin. So there's there's two of these dynamics happening simultaneously. How do I become a conscious adult, integrating parts of myself, knowing myself, and how do I individuate when my whole life has really been about a reflection of myself as this, you know, dyad of, you know, my twin brother. And so that was a a, a foundation of that was exciting to me to be able to just bring all that to the forefront and allow, because I'm not directing this, you know, experience. And in a way, Jake's not even directing the experience. The experience is directing the experience. It's an, a surrendering to something greater in ourselves. And I do have a little kind of parts of the journey that I've written down and and if it's okay with Jake, you know, I can I can explore a few of those parts of his medicine journey and kind of and he can talk about what they represented for him as well. Yeah, I'd be more than happy to talk about it. So when we, the preparation's all done, we have multiple sessions to lead up to it. We set intention and then we have this space where we create a very safe and a therapeutic healing environment for the this to happen. And we do some ritual and meditation to enter into it. And then as Jake is going in, he, you know, takes this journey, he goes deeper and deeper. And at one point in the medicine journey, he says, and I'm reading some of the transcripts of what actually came out of that. So because I take notes, I take very detailed notes while you're in the medicine session. So we can process that following. He said, I need to find little me. He's somewhere here. I don't know where he is. And in the journey, he's going over beaches and marshland. He said, I need to find him. And at one point, then he sees the stars. And he said, I need to find little Jake and give him a hug. And at that point, when he when he touches into that knowing, the tears start to flow in a very organic way. And he's breathing a little bit more deeply. I don't know if you remember that. And yeah. Yeah. And one of the things you said that was so important is that he needs to know he's going to be okay. And so then there's this kind of, all of a sudden there's like, he appears, but he appears to Jake in this, Adventure Time t-shirt and he's got these green shorts on and he's in about third grade. And so little Jake shows up and he go, and uh, adult Jake says, I see him now. I see him. And so there's this connection that he makes with this young child part, which is so important for us to do because that child part doesn't go away when we become adults. That child part's always in in there as a part of us. And sometimes that child part can be where the anxiety comes from, where social anxiety comes, where confusion comes, where, where, you know, feelings of of, uh, fear that can block us in our journey can come up through that child part. So I don't know if you wanted to share anything about that part of you that showed up there, Jake. Yeah, and so that image of... Little me and an Adventure Time t-shirt used to be, yeah, it was 
used to be me in third grade. And that vision of myself, when I look back or when I had looked back in my third grade year of elementary school, was one of the key first moments I remember feeling or experiencing what I now understand anxiety to be. And that came from, I couldn't exactly tell you probably its source. I think it was just the complexity of as you grow up into a little kid and you're navigating more social interactions. And I don't know, maybe there was just interactions in my class, whatever it was, there was just a level of anxiety there that I remember that year acknowledging and feeling for the first time and being confused and coming home and, you know, like not feeling perfectly okay about something that had gone on. And so I think that's why that was the image that came forth. And I remember starting to dream and and as I was traveling through these different sort of environments, having a feeling of I need to find him, I need to find him, let him know he's okay. And then there was another point where I kept saying to myself, I need to let him know that he can still be the man he wanted to be or wants to be. And so I think for as far as understanding the dream saker and the symbols and everything, I think the root of anxiety, but also the root of anything I felt holding back or anything I didn't feel like I was fully embracing was in that imagery of me as a third grader. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yes, it's so precious. He was connecting with that third grade version of Jake and that young version. And he said, I need to give him permission. So there was almost like this, it's okay to grow up and let go. And there is a part of this. This is the transition. This is what makes it hard. You know, there is a part of this that is grief work almost. It's like, I have to let go of childhood in order to become a fully functioning adult. But that child part you know, doesn't leave or disappear, that child part is always going to be a part of us and can be a regenerating part. It can be a creative part, an um, adventurous part, a part of us that's curious and explorative and likes to create, you know, new opportunities for us. It's just that, you know, wonderful wide-eyed wonder part of us. We don't want to miss out on that and dismiss that. So, one of the things that you did is you told him, you know, like, I'm here and I want to keep these good qualities that you have for me. And it's okay to grow up and to let go. And when, and I, um, yes. Yeah. I, and I think that letting go for me was not necessarily letting it go of things that maybe had happened in childhood, but for, from the sake of or perspective of being a twin, it was letting go of the maybe angst or regret that I didn't feel fully grown as an individual from childhood and instead embracing that and carrying that continued exploration of figuring those sort of things out now as an adult in college. Something that you touched on was social anxiety. And I think like, especially with COVID, like that's something that a lot of people struggle with. How did that session help you now with like your social interactions? Yeah. So that in particular, that that first, that main point of just accepting that I was still on a growth period. I think there's a lot of power of, of recognizing that at any stage in life, you're 
you're still a growing individual. Like you're not going to have things figured out. I remember before taking this session, I was, you know, wrestling with what major am I going to be? All this kind of typical college stuff you talk about, but it felt very heavy. But in that session, sort of recognizing that I was on this continued path of growth and then coming out of it, realizing that, you know, everybody's still on this path of growth. All three of us are. And when you sort of, what's helped me actually, when I sort of recognize that, you know, whenever I feel anxious, I'll take, allow myself to maybe step back, remove, take a few deep breaths and recognize that everyone I'm interacting with is still figuring things out just as much as I am, whether they're not showing it. But also it's really leaning into, okay, I am figuring things out. And what does maybe this social interaction I'm about to have, what is it going to allow me to learn more about? You know, like, because we're two individuals or a group of people figuring things out. If I lean away from a conversation, I'm not allowing myself to embrace a new experience that I'm bound to have anyway. But moreover, there's also something to learn from those interactions, something you haven't learned, cool conversation. And so something that's helping me is, you know, it's kind of almost a level of excitement of just seeing what they're going through and learning what they're learning and, you know, then sharing that. And then suddenly the anxiety or worry of your social interactions, it's not really there because it's now another exciting thing to experience. That's such a beautiful perspective. And I do think too, when we foster more deeper, authentic connections, that anxiety kind of washes away because everyone's being themselves, like not trying to portray. And I I know too, I remember being in my like 20s, even like later 20s, that feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then putting everyone else on a pedestal and thinking that they know so much better than me and they have it all figured out and kind of isolating myself sometimes because of feeling inferior when I was the one creating that. Yeah, no, I I definitely completely resonate with that as well. And it's, it's one thing I'm still learning. And I think everyone does is learning to balance your time of engaging in social atmospheres and then also taking the time to allow yourself to be alone and further the exploration, something that I'm doing more of. And then just what I've learned about that though, is the importance of communicating your intentions and that you are doing, you know, instead of just disappearing off the face of the map, which is so easy to do nowadays, unfortunately, as much as it's easy to keep in touch, it's also just, I don't know, you, you don't respond to a text message and things can go adrift, but it's just important to communicate that. Okay. I want this alone time. I need this alone time. Oh, I'm excited for this alone time. And, you know, having or finding friends who appreciate that and value that and encourage that sort of behavior. Wow. Is there anything else from this session that really stuck out and has created a impact in you today? Yeah, I think the the big thing was sort of later in my my session, as my session sort of came to a conclusion or overarching understanding, there was a portion where Sort of in in my session, funny enough, I was Superman, which is random, but not entirely random because when I was a when I was younger, me and my twin brother, as I guess one of the forms of you know telling about who was who or just anything like that. When we were young, we got really into comic books and superheroes and everything, at, like as a typical boy does. And when I was younger, like I was obsessed with Superman. My brother was obsessed with Batman. And I remember at a young age, as I sort of grew up, I started to like. Batman more or whatever. And I remember thinking like, oh, Superman's not that cool, blah, blah, blah. But 
when I took the whole experience and realized that I was in the form of Superman the entire time, I sort of had this deeper understanding that I had had a sense of individuality from the very beginning, from the get-go. It wasn't lost in being a twin. I had that at a very young age. Like, my superhero was Superman. And that felt very comforting to lean on. And then there was a later portion in the journey where, as Superman, I found my younger self. And as I sort of came to these realizations, there was an image I had. And it's hard to explain, but there was an image of me being Superman looking down. I'm in like the Arctic where his like fortress of solitude is, classic comic book stuff. And I'm looking down and I see my little self. I see my little third grade self holding on to my leg. And then I begin holding his hand and I look down and I say, it's okay. And then in that image, there was a, I saw myself, my little form, like move into myself as Superman, which was sort of just embracing all those lessons of childhood or lack of growth and growth. And then there was a portion from that point immediately after where I saw myself down on one knee with images of what I had could describe as my life sort of on a film roll and then sort of empty film rolls of what my life was to be. But there was an image of me like on one knee looking away with a Superman cape around my back. And it was just kind of, it's kind of been this message for me that just carrying those characteristics of individuality that I can do it, I have been doing it, and I will continue to do it in just sort of this strong, respectful, caring way. And so just kind of always cloaked in that superhero cape, just feeling good. I wear a bracelet now that I made with the Superman colors, just as a reminder. So it's just something that kind of just keeps me guided and keeps me feeling strong as I move through the journeys of life, which is so cliche, but it's true. Wow, what a dream client, Galen. <laughs> I know. What an honor to be able to work with you. And and just a couple things to touch on that, you know, the uh, young version of Jake, little Jake, you know, absorbs into his leg. So you can see at that point where there's this kind of collaboration now. There's this coming together. At a, and so little Jake absorbs into his leg and then the Superman is almost like the Uberman, right? And we all have this great self within us, right? This Uber self or the, you know, if you were talking about it in psychological terms, you might say you're super conscious, right? My absolute best, grandest version of myself is always existing within us, right? It's kind of like the illustration of the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly, you know, everything that the the caterpillar needs to become the butterfly is already inside, right? And, you know, even whether the caterpillar realizes it or not, you know, it's just a little green worm. How does this little green worm become this, you know, magnificent butterfly? So, you know, within Jake is everything he needs to be this uberman or superman and all the qualities and all the characteristics. So he begins to then tap into that at a very deep level, you know, and energetically understand what it means to be in the flow of Uberman, you know, his Superman that is inside of him. And then you want to talk about the Arctic scene where there's the boat and the boat's kind of stuck in the water. Oh, yeah. And so I was actually about to mention that is one of those things, those deep sentiments I had from my experience was just this deep level of understanding of 
what needed to be done and, and what paths I wanted to take on a day-to-day basis so that I could live my like the bigger picture would form. And so I immediately after my little version forms into me and I see this image of my life going by, I was flashed back to the Arctic and saw myself as Superman and there was this boat that was frozen in sort of this Arctic atmosphere. And then in a vision, I flew down, went under it, broke up some of the ice and basically allowed this boat to continue on and sail off into what was the sunset. And it was upon that sin, the way that I actually like almost on time came out of the experience, like physically woke up and sort of had this experience. It's very strange, but very cool. I had this experience of seeing my hands and seeing my legs and them being very small, like seeming very small. And then as I leaned back and my perception changed, like almost, I mean, it's almost watching myself grow up in a matter of like five seconds. And then I, I sat there and just looked at my hands. And I remember, I still look at them sometimes. I just looked at my hands and like saw them. It was just like, wow, these are, my hands are so big and much stronger now. And so there was just kind of this, this breaking of the ice, breaking of whatever, you know, whatever traits or goals I wanted to have that were broken in or formed or congealed within this ice. That was breaking away. And so them allowing to keep going. Yeah, it was very, very interesting, but very cool. Yes. And yeah. And I'm sure seeing that like transition before your eyes, like the little Jake turning into Superman, leaving that experience, you have to feel that integration that like, I'm not the same. I'm an adult now. And I'm sure a lot more confidence in that new chapter. For sure. And I think what it's mainly done is not that I already didn't feel symptoms of it, but it, the way I describe it is it, it kind of added almost like if you're wearing sunglasses, tinted sunglasses, it's almost like the layer of what my life I'm currently going through day to day with school, friends, there was just a level of like almost putting on mature glasses that is still allowing me to be like, we, we called it being Clark Kent, you know, Superman goes into disguise. It's like Clark Kent glasses. I'm still young. I'm still 20. I'm not like out of this experience and suddenly like a 40, 50 year old, not interested in, certain things on people like I'm definitely still 20 year old in college. Like I'll admit that hundred percent, but, and there's a beauty to that and having fun and exploring different things. I just feel like now there's a level of mature understanding of how to approach those processes and sort of move away from things that would be otherwise destructive. And I feel like there's a lot of that now as we grow older and we go into college and even in high school and graduate college, there's a lot of, you know, it's it's very easy to get lost in all the stuff we want to do or don't want to do or social questions and everything like that. And it's so easy to tune out with technology so that we don't really allow ourselves to experience the hurdles that need to be experienced. Like we have we have now an ability to remove any sort of speed bumps that you have to go through. And so suddenly when that becomes overwhelming, I think there's it's very common for kids or young adults nowadays to either numb that out with further separation from the experience via technology or just straight up procrastination, whatever it may be. But also there's a risk of, you know, seeking mood altering substances or states to feel comfortable. And of course, ketamine is an altering state, but 
I'm speaking more of the terms of, you know, relying on alcohol, relying on marijuana, casual drug use, more intense drug use. And I think still those things are okay in small bits. That's just life and they are, but it's more of when it becomes a crutch and not to say that I ever relied on them as a crutch, but I can definitely say that I would never even think to do so now just because there's better ways to go about understanding yourself and feeling comfortable and sort of unlocking this understanding as opposed to numbing it down. Wow. Wow. I mean, sometimes when I hear you speak, Jake, it's like uh, it, it amazes me that this is coming from a young man who turned 20 years old today. Just the maturity and the insight that you have. And I'm I'm really appreciating that this is we're doing this in a therapeutic setting with a therapeutic dosage with lots of preparation. We're not using this recreationally, nor would I suggest using it recreationally. In fact, that's where people get in trouble. You know, they're not nobody's with them. They don't know really what they're they're doing. And then they can feel very much more abandoned or more alone instead of having the effect that it had for you, where you felt more connected to yourself, more connected to the different aspects of yourself, and you were able to come through it accessing resources that are already deep within you and connecting to those and bringing them back into your life. That's a much different experience than using something more just um, haphazardly or recreationally. Totally. I know that I was so grateful to have someone in there with me when I was trying it out too. I'd love to hear you speak on that too, just sort of to drive the point home, how important it is to do this with guidance, with intention, responsibly. Well, if we're doing a kind of any kind of psychedelic journeys, and there's going to be more available to us, you know, in the coming years as people are listening to this too, it's important that we do this, them with someone who is already experienced in these spaces so that you get the optimal effectiveness and create the kind of inner growth and connectivity that we're looking to create. And so, you know, there's there are many people now who are trained in this and trained facilitators, trained therapists, trained guides. And it's important that we utilize people who know what they're doing and know how to do it so that we can have the best experience possible. And perhaps, Jake, you can talk about, you know, what did you discover about yourself after having this experience? Because you wrote some some really good insights following this experience as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we already touched on sort of my new sort of perception with social anxiety and sort of anxious feelings. A lot of it for me has been very profound sort of appreciation and understanding of what I need on a day-to-day basis that's going to allow me to be the person I want to be going to that day. And so that's really allowing quiet time. That's allowing meditation in the morning. That's a lot. I do this thing where I like, I'll like prime my day. So I have like three big goals, not just for the day, but that I want to reach in general that I'll practice envisioning. And once you sort of spark that emotion, you're legitimately like tricking your brain, releasing those chemicals in your brain that allows you to fully feel that goal being met. And so I leave that sort of, and that's 
a sober thing, by the way. That's just me like sitting there envisioning it. That allows me to to set like step foot out the door with the right intentions. I think it also has just made me more appreciative of allowing myself or giving myself time to do deeper thinking on myself and familial patterns and relationship with friends and really offering or appropriating the process like the proper amount of time to thinking over certain things it's hard to des- it's, it's hard to describe but there's just a there's just a, a deeper there's a higher level of cognitive thought i feel like that goes into appreciating and learning more about my family and friends around me but not overthinking it's different than overthinking and becoming anxious it's just instead taking the time to be present and really explore whatever that is in that moment if that makes sense it does have you shared this experience with some of your friends and if so what was their response are they curious are they interested so i haven't shared it with any of my friends no i've shared it with my brothers they're aware that i was doing it they became more aware after I'd done it and sort of explained the process to them. It's actually funny. I had a lot of people asking me, oh, what are you doing for your birthday today? And one of those is like, oh, I'm actually filming a podcast. Like, wow, what what podcast? And this is still keeping in mind. I haven't really told my friends only because I haven't felt fully... There, there's a, there was a level of, of want for me to feel like fully, fully integrated in the experience of allowing myself to process what I had gone through for a full month before sharing. So in the sense that like, I wanted to have time to reflect on it, time to share, okay, now it's been a month plus when I've done it, share how it's manifested, share how I've grown from it. But also, you know, I just had a, there's been a part of me that felt a little bit weary because it can be sort of, it can be interesting to hear. You know, like, oh, wow, you took ketamine? What? what are you doing? And like, oh, your parents allowed you to do that? Like, you know, it's like, it's, it's a hard thing to explain. But that said, I have very, very close friends who I've been opening up to more about it. I shared a brief story with it with one of my friends while we were camping over my Christmas break. And sort of as that conversation unfolds, it's definitely something I will 100% share. I'm not going to go preach preach about it but that said it's something i'm definitely willing to share and we'll talk about because it was very very impactful yeah it makes sense to want some time to sit with something and to absorb it especially something so powerful and a little bit more alternative but i think more people are open to it than we think definitely This question might be kind of weird, but I just like have to ask. So I don't mean this to like put anyone down, but do you see a difference in yourself versus other people that are around your age that aren't doing any type of self-discovery? Yeah, I think, again, it's not to put anyone down either. I think it's just, there seems to, I just, I guess I just feel more involved in myself than I ever have before. And granted, there's, when I'm with people like, I don't know what's going on to their day to day. So I can't say that they aren't involved in themselves either. But that said, I think it is really, really, I guess I just feel I, I, that's a hard one to answer. I would say no, only because I don't want to assume what other people are thinking of themselves and going through day to day. However, I will say 
I do feel very, very confident and mature in the way I do approach things now. And I don't know if that's a commonly shared mindset with people my age. Does that make sense? Like, I don't want to say no, but I definitely recognize the growth I've had in patterns and recognize where I was. So I would, it's safe to say, yes, I probably could be compared to other individuals. So that's my answer on that one. Very well said. Very PR trained. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, whenever you've had experiences like this, when we see someone reacting, maybe in not the most favorable way, I think we can be a little bit more compassionate too, because we we were there at one point. And even though now we're here, it's not that we think we're better. It's just, oh, okay, there was a time I might have reacted that way too. I get where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think one of the main benefits too that Jake expressed to me and he's written some about too is that you know when you're able to do the ketamine assisted psychotherapy and we're setting intention we're setting the set we have a set and setting that's very important for all of this to happen in you know you get to kind of come out of the jar of your life and you're you're seeing it from uh, 30,000 foot perspective. So you get to see the very big, 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 big picture. And that's one of the beauties of what the ketamine and psychedelic experience does. It helps to take us out of that jar, so to speak, of our life. We get to come out, we get to look at what's in the jar. We get to see the label of the jar. We get to kind of explore ourselves from the biggest picture possible. And that can be highly beneficial because that allows us to kind of embrace a very large view and we're not as overwhelmed by it because the ketamine doesn't, you know, it has that kind of a bit of a dissociative effect. So you can see the big picture without being emotionally overwhelmed by seeing the big picture and kind of know how this all can work in harmony together. So it's easy to get stuck in the minutiae of the day-to-day, the distractions of the day-to-day, the media of the day-to-day, and lose sight of a bigger picture. And so at the very best, that's what the ketamine-assisted psychotherapy can do. It helps us see big picture. And I think it also allowed me to see a big picture quicker in the sense that compared to even just my last semester of college, I think genuinely your average college student could look back on their semester at a time and reflect, okay, so this is what I was doing last semester. I want to try something new, but, or I don't want to do this anymore. But I feel like there's also for me, this really, really, because I've had that sort of outside look outside of where I was, where I was in the moment, and also very feel very attached to goals in the future. There's sort of this deeper under, or I feel this deeper understanding of, of that reflection, even of just who I was last semester and then who I, how I can adapt those or how I can keep those goals and morals and, but approach it in a more beneficial, mature way, not only to myself, but to other people around me. And so for, we can say the example of back to that sort of, moments of isolation for better individual understanding as much as that it's important it's also important to allow yourself to come back to social atmospheres because humans in nature are sociable creatures but also it's just it's important to have that balance and so that was that would be something like i've quickly quickly recognized and 
I don't know if I would have recognized that as quickly had I not had that full out of scope view that I had during my experience. Yeah. I'm so blown away and I'm so thankful that you decided to come on and that you've been sharing so much. I think this is going to help so many people, especially young men your age. I don't think you, maybe you don't fully like understand how helpful this is really going to be to others. Is there anything else either of you would like to share? Well, I think part of what is significant is that you know, when Jake was able to connect with the inner child, his little Jake inside of him, and give him comfort, there was such love and compassion. And that's one of those things that we're almost missing is this self-compassion for ourselves. And how do we do that? And so in this beautiful scene that evolved, you know, that little Jake was absorbed into him and he was strengthened Little Jake was strengthened, adult Jake was strengthened, and he gets to be the uberman, the superman, and it's it's becomes the whole package, all kind of integrated and working effectively together. That's the ultimate goal that if there is, and we're not really setting it as a goal, we're hoping, you know, that that will happen. We're That would be like the best case scenario that I feel more integrated within myself in this and that I'm more secure, I'm more confident, I'm more able to be self-reflective and self-compassionate. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And I think, yeah, I think for just as far as encouraging young people and encouraging young men uh, specifically, I feel like one thing I would say is really don't be afraid to lean in to asking questions about your family and creating those connections within your family, brothers, sisters, as far as having these more intricate conversations and talking about familial patterns. I think one of the most strong things I did with my brothers was really sit down and, you know, just talk about what we saw in ourselves, what we didn't like, what we do like, and holding each other accountable. But then also as a guy, just really opening up that conversation with your other male or female friends and significant others, I think it's really powerful to kind of let other people know where you're at. And also the biggest thing is just leaning into growing and letting people know that you're growing. That's something I think I was ashamed of initially because I felt like I was so behind. But as soon as I let go and really embraced the fact that I was figuring things out and was putting effort towards that, I mean a massive weight was lifted and I felt just more connected in general to friends, my college community, everything like that. You know, we have a lot going on. There can be a lot of stuff to manage, but as soon as you kind of are communicated, like communicate that you are in this part of growing as we all are, but communicate your need for individual time or your need for connection. I mean, it becomes that much easier. Very well said. And you are not behind. (laughs) Oh, you are not behind. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I would like to also acknowledge and, and thank deeply grateful for Jake's dad and mom for their willingness to be of support in helping their son to become more of his authentic self. I mean, that is the ultimate greatest gift that a parent or parents could give. Definitely. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, 
I said like when when Chris, I did this around the time of Christmas and now my birthday soon after and I had said like this is all I need. So I mean it's all I wanted. Wow. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so amazing. And even though you're 20 years old, trust me, I learned from this conversation and I know everyone else will too. Thank you. It's been awesome doing this. It's cool. Uh, first time being a podcast. So this is a really cool thing to do. Hoping to be on more of these, I guess, somehow. I don't know how I would do that, but... <laughs> yeah. And thank you, Jake, for sharing your story on your 20th birthday. What a great kind of marking of this adulthood for you to share your story and to give hope and and share your healing with other people and other young people particularly that might be struggling in some way, shape or form. Perhaps they can hear your story and be inspired as well because you've certainly inspired me so much. And thank you for allowing me to be on your journey with you as well. Yeah, and, and thank you for allowing me to do it with you. I mean, it was I can't say not not the we don't, this isn't an ad or promotion. But if anybody's interested in doing it, this kind of thing, Galen is definitely the go-to. It was amazing. He really is. Like, has changed my life for the better. Definitely, one hundred percent. So thank you. Yeah, I'm glowing. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank oh. you. I'm loving this love fest, but we will wrap up the episode. Thank you everyone for tuning in and I'll put some information in the show notes if you'd like some more information on our guests. Thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you so much.